Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the studios of the Kyrville Chamber of Commerce, I'm Mark Heiberger, your host. And I'm Noel Fenderson, your co-host. Today, we speak with Andrew Douglas, morning and digital desk anchor for Action News 5. Since 2006, Andrew has been proud to work for Action News 5, the first station to broadcast in the state of Tennessee and the first to send a broadcast TV signal into Mississippi. He loves the generosity and friendliness of Memphis. Andrew takes his responsibility to give back to the community seriously. In addition to his annual support of the United Way Charities, he hosts and emcees events and fundraisers all across the Mid-South throughout the year. Some of them include the Greater Memphis Chamber of Commerce and Carville Chamber events. Andrew has been honored and recognized as one of the best news anchors in Tennessee by the Tennessee Associated Press. The Tennessee AP also honored him as one of the state's top reporters. He's received honors and awards from the Emmys and the Society of Professional Journalists. Andrew, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it, Noel. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy day. I uh, imagine you just got through doing a uh, early morning newscast <laughs> and a mid-morning newscast, and here you are. You know, I, I'm, I'm caffeinated. Uh, the alarm went off at 2.30 this morning, so we're, uh, we're hanging on. <laughs> but everything's good. No, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, when you were younger and, and contemplating journalism school and being a journalist, did you realize they had to get up at two in the morning? <laughs> you know, it's funny. You look back and, and you see different things that that you've done. And and there was a time when I was at the University of Florida where I was working at the radio station. And I remember my boss saying, uh, we need you to get in at three o'clock in the morning. And I thought, Hey, I'm 21 years old. You know, when I, that's when I come in, you know, like, what are you talking about? And, and I did that for a semester and it was, uh, and I thought, okay, I can say that I did it. I don't think I ever want to do it again. And it's, uh, but it's funny how life works out. It kind of trained you a little bit. Um, the first 14 years I worked essentially nights, um, which is something where you get in at two in the afternoon, one or one thirty. And then you go home after the, the late news, 10, 30, 11 o'clock on the East Coast. And, you know, as a single person, you love it. You know, it's great. You get to hang out afterwards, you know, grab a drink with the with the crew um, and then get your errands done before you have to go to work the next day. Um, but once you have a family and, and you have kids and stuff, you you realize the best shift is that early morning shift. It is if you want to see your kids and then be able to go to their concert or their football game or sporting dance event, whatever it is, yeah. help them with homework, that sort of thing. <clears throat> so you grew up in Florida? I grew up in South Florida um, and then went to the University of Florida. Go Gators. We're, we're, uh, we're <laughs> in- Tough, coming off a tough I know, that was tough. <laughs> what, what is uh, home in South Florida? What part of South Florida? Boca Raton. Okay. So it was uh, it was a small, quiet beach town and then some loud mouth up 
down in the East Coast uh, just said, hey, come down here. And now the place is so packed. I don't even recognize it from yeah. when I grew up there. But that's where my parents are. I have a brother and sister that are there. Um, and so it's it's a nice place to visit. But Memphis is a better place to raise a family, let me tell you. Yeah. And how did how young of an age did you know that you wanted to get into this? I knew I excelled in public speaking. So <clears throat> there are some people that they would rather, you know, get thrown into jail than speak in front of their oh, it's peers. It's like a top three fear. It is. Right? Yeah. It is. It's a big fear. But for whatever reason, I excelled at it. And so I thought, okay, I want to do something in communications. Mm -hmm. So I was a huge sports fan um, growing up and loved sports. And so I went to Florida and they have a really great communication school. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do sports casting. I think that'll be a lot of fun, you know, follow the Gators and maybe the Dolphins because I grew up liking the Dolphins too. Good season, by the way, so far this year, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and uh, and then as I was going through the process, I saw that, you know, the business side of it. And one was this convergence of ESPN. And two, I saw that a lot of local stations were diminishing the local sports aspect to their coverage. Um, and so I thought, OK, there's probably more opportunities with news. And then, um, but I still had some nibbles out there to get a job and and do sports and uh, went on some interviews. But my first offer was doing news. And it was in Columbus, Georgia, um, where Fort Benning is. It's about 90 minutes south of Atlanta. It's out in the middle of nowhere. But I was like, okay, it's time. Let's go. And and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do this news thing and then maybe I'll get another offer to do sports. And sure enough, a month later, um, this the station, that station I was doing news said, hey, you know, we just had an opening uh, for sports. It's yours if you want it. And I took the weekend and thought about it. And I don't know. I just thought, you know what? News affects more people. And I kind of got bit by the news bug. And I said, OK, I'm going to stay in news. And I'm glad I did. What year was that? 1996. Wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I haven't really looked back since then. <clears throat> and the best part. Noel is when sports is news. Then it's like <laughs> it's all gravy. Then yeah, you know, <clears throat> Which there's that, a lot of that going yeah, on. Yeah, right well, so. and I mean, in, with Memphis doing so well and and in different you know situations, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. And I lived in different areas where you know the sports just dominates whatever's going on, and so that is you, you don't have to pay me for that. That's just so much fun. So 1996. Um, Social media wasn't what it is today. Um, cable news probably wasn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. Network news was, you know, probably still the dominant, if you will, or, or premier news channels. How, and what, what have you seen as the, I mean, the, the transition in your career, you know, the changes and, you know, it's been a lot. Yeah. It has been an extraordinary amount on, on so many different levels. So from a technology standpoint, um, I remember uh, being, a, you know, being in the industry in 1996 and, you know, the, the equipment was much heavier. The, um, you know, you had to have several people in order to get a, um, a newscast on in a remote area. You had to have certain kinds of trucks 
Um, you're right. The the internet did not have streaming long cables. Yes, we had feeds from you know network areas, and so you, you know, there there wasn't anything like we had today. No social media, um, and so take it, it back to the station and edit it. Right, um, and you know maybe you got live, but if you just had it, you know, on there, that was fine too. Um, so it was it was different. You're right. There was probably about maybe 10, 20 channels, you know, if if you had the deluxe cable package. And so there wasn't that, you know, thousand channels or anything like that. So it was, uh, it was a different landscape for sure. Um, and I think news delivery was very different, too. Um, and so a lot of it has evolved and the news personalities are different. Um, and so. Um, it, it, a lot of it's changed, but then again, you know, a lot of our cultures changed, a lot of our societies changed, um, and there's some things that that you you think, okay, this is good, this is this is technology, this is advancement, and then there's some things like I don't like the direction this is going. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, it's it's it it's something where it is fluid, it's evolving, and you just. You, you evolve with it, but you keep those standards that you had way back in school and that you began your career with. That's the important thing is to yeah. have those standards. And your, your reputation is incredible across all the channels in Memphis. Well, thanks. So how, how do you do that? How do you maintain that and build that trust? It's, it's, those, it's, it's those standards. I mean, it's, it's keeping those standards. It's keeping true to who you are. It's... Um, it, it's coming into it with, so I came to Memphis with about 10 years of experience and, um, I, having worked in different markets, this was my fifth station. So I had been through a number of different stations and kind of got my, my feet wet. And, and I knew the kind of reporter that what it takes to, um, be successful and, and, and resonate with not only the management and staff, but also the viewers out there and to do it in an effective way that's um, that also is uh, at a high level and at a high standard. And so um, I, I've, I've tried to maintain that the whole time. And then, you know, a lot of the job, 50% or even more is PR. I mean, it's public relations. It's doing those events out in the community and it's making sure that, you know, we're able to to let people know, hey, we're hanging out with you guys. We're just like you. I live over here. You know, my my kids go to school here. And it's, you know, that we're just, you know, we're, we're all in this together, I guess, uh, to quote a phrase from these days, you know, that we yeah. hear a lot. But yeah, that, don't you think, I think that's an important aspect of of that today, what you just talked about is that for the viewer, to actually be able to identify with you or any news personality in a real way, as opposed to just a talking head by what you said, getting out in the community and being, I'm, I'm a real person. Yeah. I, I have a life just like you do. Right. And you know, one of my <clears throat> colleagues, um, Joe Birch, who is, uh, who's just sets the bar so high when it comes to the kind of person he is, not only a journalist, he's, um, and an incredible journalist, but just a humanitarian in what he does. And he sets the bar really high in our newsroom. And um, and so, you know, I look at what he does 
And when I first got here and I saw the activities and different things that he did outside of Channel 5, and he does an extraordinary amount in Channel 5, and, and to see some of the things that he did outside of Channel 5, and I thought, you know, th that's the way to do it. That's the way you connect with the community. And, um, and at times, those are my favorite moments throughout any week is doing stuff like this and, and meeting different folks and sitting down and talking with them. I mean, I'll go to Lifetime Fitness and, you know, there's guys in the locker room or in the steam room that are like, okay, so listen, I have a question. <laughs> and I was like, mm, okay. Or I got a story idea, right? And, you know, I don't mind that. Some some people might, might think that's a little uh, tiring or, you know, hey, give them a space. But I really don't mind that because um, one, that means that they watch. Two, they're engaged in the product. And three, you know, it, it, I want to engage them further and, and keep them around, you know, keep them watching mm -hmm. us and, and being engaged in what's happening in their community because it's so important. And, and I try to tell people, and I've told you this, Mark, before, is that, you know, 90% or more of our product on the air is local. So you, and when you look at local stuff, I mean, the local stuff is apolitical. I mean, people want safe neighborhoods. People want less crime. They want better infrastructure. They want to fill the potholes. Those kind of things, we all agree uh, about those things. And I think where people, where things get a little um, uncomfortable for me is when I look at some of the national news and there's all kinds of different um biases that you can see. And, and when you see how the sausage is made and then you watch the the national product, you're kind of like, mm, I'm glad mm. I'm in the local um, local space because uh, one, I'm, I'm embedded in the community that I that I love. And two, um, it is it is straightforward. It is factual, honest. And, and that's it. And then we let people decide, you know, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And, and we know there's been some difficult things you've had to report on oh. and a lot of difficult situations that have happened even recently. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, how do you view that? How, you know, your role in that, the responsibility and uh, just as a news anchor and having to deliver this type of news? It's, it's, it's a great question, Noel. It's, it's like, um, it, again, it goes back to being in the community, you know, um, a few, three weeks ago, this crazy person is going on a rampage shooting uh, people just randomly. Um, devastating. That is so devastating and hurtful. And people were frightened and scared. And we're all feeling that same pain and same anguish and wondering what is happening here? What is going on? We know that we have great people in this community. And we know that there are so there's so much love and support for our fellow man and woman. And to see stuff like that, is so disheartening because we know how great things are here, but yet there are some some moments where it's it's very um, difficult to report. But you report it in a very compassionate way. We're here, we're with you. Um, I thought my colleague Joyce Peterson and that little clip that she had where she said Memphis is tired. We're tired of all this stuff, and it. It resonated with so many people in our newsroom, and I know it resonated with so many people out in the community because I think we all felt that. And she got emotional on the on the air, and 
And it was just a, a candid moment where, you know, that's, a, that's exactly how we all felt. And, um, and I, you know, to say I was inundated with people in, coming up to me after those moments uh, would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. And when every time I talked to them, though, I said, we're going to be better from this. It's going to be better as a result because you have a tragic event. And no matter what the tragic event, whether it's 9-11, whether it's what happened with the shooting, whether it's the Kroger shooting, something always positive, extraordinarily positive comes out of it. And, and I think that that's, that's this case as well. You're going to see um, people come together um, that have needed to come together for a long time. And, and the Eliza Fletcher case. Another example, okay, the Memphis bomb and teacher that was abducted and killed. A thousand people showed up at four o'clock in the morning to finish her race in that neighborhood. I mean, that shows you the love that this community has for someone that they never met. And then to see Eliza Fletcher runs all across the country, Nashville, Dallas, Philadelphia. There's a lot of love out there, mm. and sometimes that doesn't that doesn't see um, the the light in the uh, in the front page, but yet it's it's very much there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, when something like that happens, it it obviously just turns the news cycle in the newsroom into. I wouldn't call it chaos, but you're 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 set up for a day's news reporting, and then something like this happens at six o'clock at yeah. night in the middle of a newscast. How do y'all do that? How do you make that sh- immediate shift like that? So when there's something big that happens, whether it's something like that or or the, what you know, I'll just bring up since we're we're here. I, I mean the the Collierville Kroger shooting, same kind of thing in the afternoon. Um, what we do is we just put all of our resources in this one location or this one situation. And then we just, if we need to pull people back, we do. But um, with that shooting situation that happened, it was all hands on deck. We need to figure out exactly where police are and, and how we're, how we need to be that communication mouthpiece to the public on how to remain safe and where things are and where what we know and it's so important especially in the age of social media to make sure that things are confirmed and I can't I can't talk about other other stations and 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 some of their standards but you know we go back to standards and um we have to confirm things in a certain way that and our management has said specifically hey it doesn't matter if we are first. We have to make sure that what we say is confirmed at 100% by two sources. And when we do that, you know, people know that you know, you're going to hear a rumor here, you're going to hear a rumor there. And there were so many mm. from both of those yeah. stories. Yeah. And it was there was no way we were going to report it unless we got it confirmed. It was just there's a, there's a standard there, and people rely on us to to bring it bring that standard. Instead of, you know, someone who's, for the most part, anonymous on social media saying, well, I heard this, this, and this. 
So the, the standards have even become, even with this evolution of news, they've become even more important in today's news. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, you, you've mentioned standards several times during the, our talk, and you've also mentioned a, a colleague or two. <clears throat> and as I listen to those two words, standards, and then some of the people you've mentioned, uh, I mean, you, you're, you are surrounded by pretty high quality organization there. I mean, Joe Birch, um, Joyce Peterson, who's been doing this 20 or more years. Mm -hmm. There's others, Ron Childers, Jarvis. I mean, there's a bunch of people, won't name them all, but you, you know, you're, you're there with a really quality group of reporters that have been doing this for a long time. And it's got to be a good, you're, you're like on a, an all-star team sort of right <laughs> well i'll tell you it was um thank you and, and i agree with you and when i in 2006 when i was deciding where to go because i was in ohio um i got a call from joe and he said let me talk to you about wmc wow. and he spent maybe 45 minutes or so on the phone with me doesn't know me from Adam. I met him one other time because my wife was born and raised here. And, and so we were familiar with Memphis. I, I got married here in 2001. Um, but, you know, we had only met maybe one, two times. And he said, let me tell you about Memphis and what we do here at WMC and how things are. And, you know, I, I felt like after talking with Joe, I felt like I already knew him um, from a long time ago or I've known him a long time. He's just one of those guys. And when you, when you talk to people who know Joe, it, you know he connects with people when they say, oh yeah, Joe Birch, he's like my best friend. <laughs> well, he's got thousands of best friends because he just has a, a way to connect with people and he does it he does. so well. Um, but you're right, it was, it, it was that kind of makeup in the newsroom and that kind of leadership at WMC that really sold me on Memphis and on coming here um, because there were other offers out there in, in different markets. And to go back down to South Florida, for example, um, and in Indianapolis uh, was another one that was was making a heavy push. But uh, I'm a religious person as well. So I just put it in God's hands and it was just extremely clear that WMC was it. And I didn't look back after that. And it's been the best best decision of my life other than marrying my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in this time, you've covered and talked to some amazing people. I mean, looking at the list, Vice President Dick Cheney, uh, John Travolta, Garth Brooks, Martin Luther King. I mean, wh who would you say is the most interesting person you've ever interviewed? Good, good question. Good question. Um, you know, everyone... You ever seen Steve Hartman do his little thing? <laughs> Every person has a story, mm -hmm. right? And he talks to, and, and he had a segment where he would go through the phone book and just blindly point to a name in the phone book and do a story about that person. And I think every single person has a unique ability to be interesting and to be enjoyable. And even when someone, during my investigative days, when maybe they weren't... Uh, uh, doing the greatest things. It was just interesting to talk to them to see what they would have to say about that. What do you have to say about that? Um, but for example, um, okay, Vice President Dick Cheney. 
So the first thing that comes to mind is he was very disciplined and very polished when I talked to him. It was almost intimidating. And I don't get intimidated by anybody. But that was, <laughs> I, I was just amazed how polished he was. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Wow, what a what an extraordinarily smart, intelligent man. But he was also funny. And he was you know, very, very pleasing and, and had me laughing. And, you know, he, he was just, he was very entertaining. And he was coming to the Orpheum, so I had a chance to meet him. John Travolta, what was interesting to him is he cared so much about, um, I was talking to him on the 100th anniversary of Flight when I was in Dayton, Ohio. They were, you know, the Wright brothers were from there. And he was so passionate about flying. I interviewed him in the cockpit of his personal plane with John Glenn, who was another extraordinary man. <laughs> and I'm interviewing these two guys. And I have to say, people, as you guys know, people freak out with celebrities. You know, I, I've never been a freak out kind of person, but some people go crazy. And people were acting a fool with John Travolta. I don't know. I, I, I guess people did that. But I just thought he handled himself so graciously. Mm. He was so nice um, and, and was more than accommodating to them and to me. And, uh, and John Glenn was, was so gracious. Um, Martin Luther King III, you know, I felt sorry for him because when I interviewed him, it was um, during the anniversary of the death of his dad. And I asked him, and the camera wasn't even on, and I, I asked him, and I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm not doing well. And I said, why? And he goes, this is the place where my dad was killed, mm. and I always have a hard time coming here. It always bothers me. And, you know, he was a young child, and his dad died. I mean, you know, forget about who his dad was and forget. I mean, that that is so sad. Mm -hmm. And so I just I felt an extraordinarily I, 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 so much sadness for him. Um, Garth Brooks. Wow. How personable. How awesome. What a showman. <laughs> um, another one that that um, that I talked to at uh, Kenny Chesney. I met him before anyone knew his name. I was in East Tennessee working and he was he had a bunch of CDs outside of Walmart. And so my assignment desk said, hey, you got to interview this guy, Kenny Chesney. He's outside of the Walmart right now. I was coming back from a live shot. And they go, he's he, the, the lady that was on the assignment desk at the time. She goes, well, he's real cute. And you got to interview him. And I said, OK, I don't find the guy was he was so great and so awesome and so nice. And I thought. I'm going to remember his name and I'm just going to root for him because he could not have been nicer. Wow. And he gave, you know, CDs and stuff. And so, you know, it's just everyone has those extraordinary moments and those stories. And I, um, I, I just I'm a people person and I just love meeting people, talking to them. Um, and I find it all interesting. I really when, do. When you're <clears throat> Garth Brooks, uh, whoever, Dick Cheney. Any, you know, any celebrity today, how do you prepare to, I mean, what, what's going through your mind? I mean, you know, we all have the, there's these obvious sort of uh, starstruck questions a lot of people would ask, but, you know, I know you're trying to, to probe a little deeper and than, than to be that starstruck reporter <laughs> talking to these people. Sure. So to do that, I mean, you have to, you know, you're, you're got to go through a thought process to, to, you know, 
interview these people. So I work at WMC, which is a local news channel. So I always try to ask Memphis questions. Um, have they been to Memphis? If so, where did you go? What were places that you remember? Um, I remember interviewing Danica Patrick a few uh, weeks, a few months ago. And, you know, if was she, she here? She was, um, no, she was talking, she was talking about, I, I did a Zoom interview. Okay. And she was talking about um, her health journey. So she went through a lot of um, a different, had a almost kind of an epiphany when it came to health and wellness and um, mental wellness. And so she changed her diet. She's, she's very, very health conscious now. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I'd like to dabble in the diet and exercise and, and all that. And so I, and I actually heard her on a podcast, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with, uh, with a guy by the name of Dave Asprey. And, and so she was really impressed by that. And I said, okay, well, tell me about, have you been to Memphis before? So she goes, oh yeah, I dated, um, the racer from Olive Branch. I can't remember his name. Um, he was a, a NASCAR guy. Um, it, the name escapes me, but she, she's like, hopefully yeah. it's not Brandon. No, it's, uh, uh, uh it, it's escaping me, but, um, but she, she dated someone for a couple of years in Olive Branch. And so she was like, oh yeah, I love the downtown and the trolleys. <laughs> and I went over, I was like, oh my God, wow. this is great. That's so, great. so yeah, it's, I, I always try to ask the Memphis questions and then I always try to get in the mindset. Okay. If, if the viewers had a chance to ask a question. What would they ask? And that's, you know, with Dick Cheney, you know, I asked him about, you know, what do you, this was in, you know, Ohio and, you know, they had lost a lot of jobs. All right. So um, you're running for office. You know, what do you say to the people in Ohio that have lost their jobs and they're looking for, you know, this, that, and this. And so, um, so I, I try to get in the mind of our viewers, the people of Memphis and the Mid-South, what what they would want to ask whomever I'm talking to. You know, you were just a second ago talking about, um, I guess you were working at a, at a, at a channel in East Tennessee for mm -hmm. the, and you're uh, headed back to the station or in, in route to another story or something, but they call you and say, you got to go over to the Walmart and interview this guy. Yeah. And it sounds like you really hadn't heard of this guy at that time. Mm -hmm. So, how do you do that? In other words, we know Dick Cheney. We we know of Garth Brooks. We we could many of us could at least think of something to ask him. But you you know, and I'm sure that's not the first time that you've been either dispatched to or someone's come on the scene somewhere that the the editor at the station says you got to interview this person, and but I don't really know. You know, they don't know much about them either, but you got to go do this. So what do you do? So you just you just talk to them like we're talking right now. You know, hey, what's your name? You know, <laughs> my name's Andrew Douglas. What's yours? He, Kenny Chesney. And, you know, and then, uh, OK, so what do you got? Oh, I got some got some CDs, man. I'd love to for you guys. OK, well, well, tell me about it. What, what where are you from? And, and so he was from Johnson City, which is where we were. And he and he said, you know, I've been working on this and. I've been trying to let people know and, and get them an opportunity to hear my music. I'll be playing, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, okay, well, um, you know, Johnson City is where you, where you live. Are you going on tour? Are you, you know, 
you know, what else are you doing? You know, and, and so we just kind of have a conversation. <laughs> and uh, and he was just a really uh, just a happy go lucky guy. And he was just really happy and, and enjoyable. And um, it's just it's funny how you just meet people along the way. And, and you know, it was just kind of wild seeing that. Yeah. So and then the Olympics, you got to tell us oh, about that. Oh, my gosh. London Summer Olympics in 2012. I, yes. What was that like? So, um, no, that was that was amazing. That is uh, that is a bucket list moment. It I was I wish I wish everybody could experience the Olympics at least once in their life. It is um, so amazing because you have. One hundred and fifty to two hundred countries represented, and it's just amazing. And you see everyone so happy and so uh, just ju jovial. They're just mm. so euphoric. And it's a, a, a kind of high that is, is all natural. And the players or the athletes competing, they just, they look around and they're like, this, hey, this is the Olympics. This is wow. incredible for me. Yeah. So it's, the fans are so excited to be there. The athletes are so blessed to be there. They're excited. And um, I, I was able to I was there for eight days. So we went to Wembley Stadium. We, we caught a soccer game between um, Japan and Mexico. And I think Mexico ended up winning the gold that year. Um, we saw a basketball game. Couldn't get USA basketball, but it was uh, France and China. Um, and so there was, you know, Tony Parker was on the team. And, you know, there's a few other NBA players that were on both teams. Um, I don't know about China, maybe Yao but Ming. Yao Ming, yeah, he was he he was injured at that point. Um, and then um, we saw the women's beach volleyball. It was um, the USA gold medal round, and um, and that was fun because it was um, it was Carrie Walsh Jennings and um, the other lady who mm -hmm. you know they were so her accomplished, yeah. yeah, and they they were so accomplished. Misty May Trainer, I think her yeah. name was, and. Um, and then who was sitting next to me or right below me was Matt Lauer and then Tom Brokaw and Meredith Vieira. They were all there. And so, of course, I said hello and, and all that stuff. <laughs> were you with Channel 5 at the time? Yeah. Okay. So um, so I was with Channel 5 and, and I introduced myself to Matt and told him, hey, I'm, you know, here, morning anchor, all this stuff. And, and, uh, and, he's, and I said, you know, appreciate what you do and all that stuff. He goes, no, no, no. I appreciate what you do because you lead into us. And I thought to myself, Matt Lauer just thanked me for what I do. <laughs> Matt, thank you. Yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> so um, and he was with his kids, and and it was a it was a nice moment. I was with my brother uh, at the time, uh, my brother Dean, who was uh, a, a customer of a of um, a group that invited him to the Olympics, and. Um, seeing Tom Brokaw was pretty special too. He is one of those guys who has an incredible memory. So he, for example, could say, oh yeah, January 27th, 1993. It was a little cloudy out wow. and I met three people. I had toast with eggs. Oh my goodness. One of those memories. So as wow. soon as I went to him, I said, WMC Memphis and, uh, you know, Morning Acre. And he said, oh, WMC Memphis, how's Joe doing? <laughs> immediately wow. he knew because you know he had interviewed with joe and so and and at the time joe had hurt his back uh in an accident and so he's like is joe okay i heard he hurt his back and so i mean he was incredible the only thing is tom uh tom brokaw has hearing aids 
and he read my lips the entire time. Like wow. I, I, I don't think he could hear anything I was saying. Wow. Yeah. So that was, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, it's, uh, but in addition to that, um, when we were, we were going to each event, um, it was just a, a certain euphoria that you really don't see. And it was just um, so nice. And it was just so refreshing, kind of an innocence a little bit. And it was, wow, you know, here's the world coming together on a grand stage and just enjoying sport. And the fans, the athletes, the coaches, everybody was just enjoying it. London had a great Olympics. You know, the UK was doing really well. It was just such a celebratory mood. It was great. Wow. So yeah. you, get, you got back to sports. Yeah, oh, ex exactly. I was just, this is fantastic. This is wonderful. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I called in um, during the mornings and then I would send um, packages, you know, wraps and, and we would send them back in the evenings. And it was, uh, it was eight days. It was glorious. Were there any Memphis athletes in the Olympics that year? Any That year? I don't believe so. Um, there may have been... We weren't able to get any track and field tickets. So there may have been some track and field, but I don't remember them. I don't remember any yeah. at that moment. So, uh, no, but, uh, but there was, you know, it was, it was just fun to, to be a part of it all. You know? So from, from West Florida to East Tennessee, to Kenny Chesney, to the London Olympics, <laughs> um, you're living in Cairoville. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously proud to have you as a fellow Collierville resident, but, um, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your wonderful family of two children, right? Yes. So my wife's a native Memphian. Uh, she grew up here. Um, she went to St. Agnes. Um, her dad was a professor at um, the University of Memphis, uh, really? taught business, started the executive MBA program, was really? the assistant dean of the business school. Amazing guy. Um, just a, I love John Reed so much. Uh, his last five years of his life, he lived with us um, and uh, he passed away in 2011. And, um, and so Tina um, works at FedEx. She's worked at FedEx uh, for 23 years. And, wow. um, she is, uh, she, in my book, she's a rock star. She's fantastic. I, I love her so much and, and I'm just so proud of her, but, um, she is, um, she's been there for, for a long time. And, and I think she's the local celebrity when she goes out, you know, it's everybody knows who she is because she went to St. Agnes and she works at FedEx. It's like, she knows a lot of people. Um, my kids, I have one daughter, Sophia, she is. Uh, a sophomore at University of Missouri, Missouri, and she's enjoying it. She's thriving there. Made made the dean's list uh, both semesters. Journalism school. Journalism. That's a big journalism Great school. Missouri is. journalism school. Yes. Yeah. And she's doing extraordinarily well. Lives in her sorority house, Alpha Chi Omega, and works. Former Collierville. Yes. Uh, it went through Collierville all the way through. Um, she started. She really helped get the. Um, TV uh, show um, Carnival AM on on the air for the high school, and so she's very proud of that. 
What's she doing? You were about to say. Yeah. So she works at the NBC affiliate in Columbia, Missouri. She also works for Missouri athletics as a director because she's, you know, she's trying to dabble and look in these different areas, what she wants to do behind in front or perhaps, you know, something else that you can also major in documentary journalism and document documentaries are really hot these days. So, um, So, yeah, so she's thriving. Uh, My son is a senior at Carville High School. He's gone all the way up, too. And he is looking at colleges. And so he's sick of everybody asking him. (laughs) Yeah. But um, but he is he is uh, he's keeping his decision close to the vest. And and so he's just kind of taking it easy, enjoying it, taking it all in. And and I'm I'm trying to hang out with him as much as I can because he's he's a great kid. So you'll you'll uh, you'll be an empty nester soon. Really looking forward to that, too. <laughs> really looking forward to that. Um, you know, my wife and I are ready to to kind of go out and have fun yeah. and enjoy things. And Do you yeah. think you'll, if you were guessing, do you think you'll have two, two children and, and others, you know, does he, he will probably go somewhere other than around here? You, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that he'll probably go somewhere other than Memphis, and he doesn't want to live in his sister's shadow he's like dad i've lived in her shadow my entire life i need to you know because there's you know they're 18 months apart so um i don't think he'll be going to missouri but um i do think he'll be relatively close and yeah um but he's just enjoying his senior year he's he's part of the carnival crazy spirit squad and um he's done uh he's you know part of different clubs and 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 that sort of thing does the carnival am anchoring as well so um he's more focused business wise on the business side of things. Yeah. I think he wants to be an entrepreneur at some point. So, so yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how has it felt being on the other side of the microphone, getting the questions? I, asked? I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about the, the time and, you know, I don't have to look at anything or worry about it. I just, I just kind of talk. So this is well, great. Well, tell, tell us and everyone listening, why Memphis? What do you love about this community? I love the people. I mean, it's, it's about the people for me. Um, it was, I mean, I, as I told you guys, I'm, I'm familiar. I was familiar with Memphis back in 2001 when I lived in Ohio. I was familiar with it even before then. Um, when I lived in East Tennessee, because I was dating my wife, we met in Columbus, Georgia. We were together for the first three months, uh, of our courtship. And then we were long distance for four years. Mm -hmm. So um, and this was before cell phones, FaceTime, all that stuff. So we're, you know, racking up the phone bills on the uh, landline <laughs> a lot. Um, but I would come to Memphis and I really enjoyed it a lot. And before I went to Dayton, Ohio, I tried to get a job in Memphis. And this would be about 2000 or so. And WMC just didn't have didn't have the uh, opportunities or didn't have the openings. And I had talked to the news director at the time and she said, I got nothing for you right now. But it was, it was interesting because Joe said, just stay in touch with me. You know, we'll see what we can do. And then six years later, wow. it was, it was, that was the time for me to come down. And this place has been absolutely extraordinary. It is a wonderful place. My friends that live elsewhere that I grew up with are like, uh, has the chamber hired you yet? Because that's all you do is talk about how great Memphis is. And I was like, well, now that you say that, I, I have done some things for the chamber over the years. So. But um, but I, I mean, it, it really is in all seriousness. I mean, it's it's the people. It's it's the area. I mean, to um, to have an opportunity to 
raise your kids and have your kids grow up here um, with all kinds of different, extraordinarily great things. Um, you know, the cost of living is very affordable. You have um, the FedEx effect. So there's all kinds of people from all over the world that they interact with. Um, you meet extraordinary people through WMC. Um, Tina's got an amazing job with FedEx and, and it is such an amazing company. And we love our neighborhoods. We love our community. I mean, it's, it's hard to, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to say anything negative. Yeah. So, well, I will tell you this, that, um, in, when you're on the, the news in the mornings or, or even if for, for, for news, uh, cycle reasons you're on at any other time, uh, most of the folks in Collierville sit up and go, that's my man. <laughs> um, because I can assure you that uh, you're a, a rock star here in Collierville. Um, everybody uh, loves you and thinks the world of you, both personally and professionally. And uh, I wanted to uh, thank you for uh, being a part of our signature event that we have, the Excellence in Business Awards for three years in a row and hopefully a, a fourth year and beyond. I mean, we're the, the program will go on and we sure hope that you will continue to be able to be our MC. It was a, um, a no-brainer and for me and hopefully a, 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 a smart brainer for me to to know to get Andrew Douglas, a Collierville guy. <laughs> who, what, it, it's easy. Uh, a Collierville resident, a, a, a television celebrity, uh, to be the MC of our uh, business awards. You know, it didn't take a lot of brain power on my part. It, it was just getting you uh, to do it. And now that we have, we've had three great years of success. So. It's it's, well, I appreciate all those kind words, uh, both of you guys. Very, very kind. Thank you. Um, I've enjoyed it. I, it's it's one of the events you know throughout the year that I really look forward to. It's it's fun. It's enjoyable. I like it, um, even though it's past <clears throat> my bedtime. Um, I, I do like it a lot, and um, and it seems to be getting better every year. Of course, it was low that first year because I you know it was the first time we had done it, and then. You know, I was like, all right, we're going to do a toast and toast the 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 2020s. It's going to be great. And then a month later, the pandemic hit. We're like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Go. But um, but you know what? It, it has been a wonderful event. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you asked me. And uh, it's I enjoy it. I enjoy yeah. it a lot. It's it's become great. I will. I do tell um, some colleagues that ask and occasionally someone from from just the community that ask about uh, you you doing that uh, is that the first year the first time I did have to do a little bit of a sales job you know it, uh, you, you didn't just rubber stamp it you didn't just sign off on remember, it immediately and uh, I remember you know we had to, had to do a little convincing but I knew I thought if we could get you we did a quality event something that you could be associated with in a quality way we could really, really do something, and I think we have. Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, and I enjoy it. I, I really, truly do. It's 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 great, and uh, I look forward to this coming year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great one. Well, we want to um, thank you for being on our podcast, and uh, we, we've enjoyed. It's been a great conversation. It's been it fun. We've we could go on for longer, but uh, <laughs> uh, with respect to those listening, and with respect to all of uh, our schedules, uh, we're gonna. 
wrap it up and and thank you for being on uh, the chamber cornucopia podcast okay mark noel thank you very much appreciate it thank you and that's a wrap thank you for tuning in to corporate cornucopia this episode was brought to you by our sponsor my town roofing replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and, most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at MyTownRoofing.com. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.CoggervilleChamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review.